Again. Hey, Joe. You know what the first DVD I ever owned was? Um, uh, Madden 95. It was late in the year, I think, 2002. Okay. Okay? Okay. And, uh, I, I go home from, I come home from school, and my dad, my dad was on vacation around Christmas time. Oh, it was around Thanksgiving, actually, so I think it was around Black Friday, right? No. Something like that. And okay, I come home, sure. and he, he took a, he took a long vacation, and I come home, and, uh, I walk in, and there's a big old TV in the living room now. I'm like, whoa, that's cool. He's like, you know what's cooler? We got a DVD player, motherfucker. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> and then what movie is it? Of all movies, what could it be? It's Spider-Man. Oh, hell yeah. My fucking favorite movie when I was a kid at that time. It was one of mine. I think my favorite movie for a long period of my life was Spider-Man 2. Uh, I just got in an argument with your brother over this movie the other day. Cause, yeah. Uh, on Letterboxd, which I started uh, trying to log movies I review, I gave Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 a three and a half out of five stars. Okay. I did so because those movies didn't age too well in terms of being looked at as a serious film. Right. However, they aged tremendously well in terms of looking at a piece of cheese and laughing at it. Uh <laughs> They're glorious, and and Spider-Man in particular, with Willem Dafoe as its villain, is the funniest goddamn shit. Let's see. Sleep! So that was sick, and I watched that movie like five times during Thanksgiving break. And then, uh, the DVDs I owned after that were, uh... <laughs> Just every DVD you've ever owned? I'm trying Here's to a think. list. Uh, it was maybe The Scorpion King? Oh, good lord. When are we going to uh, review all the Scorpion King movies? No, and then... Uh, oh, just no? No. Let me... Uh, while you're talking, let me look up how many then, Scorpion King and movies And I think there's a... There was a bootleg copy of Army of Darkness. That's a on good DVD. thing to have. It's the first time I watched that movie, and I absolutely loved it. Fun fact, I watched Army of Darkness before I watched Evil Dead. Damn. This is weird. But, uh, yeah, the first one I saw in that trilogy was Army of Darkness. And I absolutely loved it. And then I went and watched Evil Dead... Got a completely different vibe. Who would have guessed? Oof. But I loved it anyway. But, man, I love that movie, too. I played that to shit. And the other movie I got is the one we're going to talk about later in the show. Hey! Now, you own another copy of Spider-Man that I think we should talk about. We do have a, a what I guess it's a Japanese bootleg copy of Spider-Man. It's foreign, at the very least. Uh, you bought this from Chinese. a you bought this from a Goodwill. Right, it was at a Goodwill. I think. I think it was only like a buck. Now it is just, it's identical to the normal DVD release of Spider-Man. Yeah, but it's clearly except like except for the case. It's it's not a real copy of Spider-Man on DVD. Like you could tell the uh, oh, it is a little chopped. No, yeah, you could tell it's uh, it was used used one of those like sticker things on like a, a blank DVD. It's it's not the real thing. Oh, okay. But uh. Interesting. Yeah, the, the cover is very weird. Um, the back of it, the, the you know, usually has like you know a brief, a brief synopsis of the film. Uh, is not the synopsis of Spider Man. It's a synopsis of about three different movies. Yeah, uh, I think including the X Files film. Right. Uh, uh there's one. God, Bruce Willis's the kid. Yeah, that's it. It's the kid, and then there's yeah. I forget what the last one is. It's wild. And 
and it's it's a gem. It's it's a great. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to post pictures of it up on the Get and Jump Show Twitter after oh, this episode goes bless live. Bless you. Please do that. I'll do it the next day. I'll put it up on there because I'm not going to have time tonight. But uh, I want you all to see it. It's 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 something of beauty, honestly. It's the best thing I've ever bought from a Goodwill. But yeah, man. DVDs <sighs> were wild, man. Yeah. Like, holy shit. That used to be, like, the most incredible thing. The picture was so crystal clear. Uh, it was like and the it was, sound it was quality. the shit, dude. Yeah. Uh, I own so many. Uh... I used to pride myself on having a big old fucking, you know, one of those, like, plastic sleeve case books filled with all my movies. It got to the point where I needed to double stack discs, which is not good for them. No. But I was a dumb high schooler. Oh, God. All of us. All of us and and it spilled over into a second. Dude, I'm surprised book. that uh, my Matrix DVD played almost without a hitch. I've had that DVD since 2002. But, I, yeah, and you've probably watched it a lot. I've watched it at least 30 times. At least. Probably okay. more than that. I used to watch that movie, like, at least once a year. Conversely, we will have no problems with The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. No, especially not Reloaded, man. I got two copies. Why do you have two copies? I don't know! This is what this is why DVDs were a problem. Nowadays, it's not even that big of a deal to own a Blu-ray. It's cool. It's fun. I like owning some of them. Well, it matters less because you of streaming. You can stream, and it, the world is different now. Anyway, speaking of the world is different now, there are five Scorpion King movies, Jusby. Great. There's the Scorpion King. Okay. There's the Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior, which uh-huh. is, uh, uh, you know... Straight DVD? I believe Red Dead Redemption 2 was inspired by this because it is a prequel, not a sequel, even though it's number two. Uh, the Scorpion King okay. 3, Battle for Redemption... Uh, to put things in perspective, the original Scorpion King came out in 2002. The second one came out in 2008. And then three came out in 2012. Four, the Is Scorpion four? King 4, Quest for Power, came out in 2014. And just last year, a fifth film in the franchise, Scorpion King Book of Souls, came out. So when are we doing Gen and Jub watch the Scorpion King movies? Do it, uh, start it, the uh, the week after I die. Okay. It'll just be me talking to your corpse about the Scorpion King movies. We made this joke once. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> Everything cycles back to the same old jokes. Like the Scorpion King. You know, we should just watch the Mummy movies. Yeah, that movie really fucking sucks. The Scorpion King? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's probably better than the Scorpion King 5. <laughs> <laughs> At least it has The Rock in it. I mean, yeah, I guess. Does it, though? Yeah. <laughs> Did he give a shit? Yeah. Uh, that's early Rock, too. It's very early Rock. He still chooses bad movies to be in, though. It's in his nature. So what's the transition to get back uh, on track with our podcast here, Justin? Because we've talked about, like, 19 different things. Uh, like this. Okay. Yeah, I did. You didn't, you didn't. You didn't cut it though, did you? I mean, I will. I'll cut where the fuck I please. Sure, but like, if we keep talking, maybe you won't. We'll just leave this in. Maybe. Maybe I'll put the music just over it. I feel like that would be the best decision, actually. <laughs> that would be maybe the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. But, you know, why would you do such a thing? Maybe I'll do it. Anyway. Ah! 
Welcome to the Gannon Job Show. Whoa! 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 I'm your host. Whoa! And today I'm joined by Whoa! It's Zanzibar. Whoa! He, he came downstairs because we were yelling Whoa! Hi, good. It's my good dog. <laughs> this is my very good dog. Hurrah! What a good dog. What's up, buddy? He's a big. He's a big old man. He's getting. The, he's getting them butt scratches. He's all about it. Oh, that's his. That's his entire life. That provides him sustenance. Right, go upstairs, pup. <laughs> he didn't go upstairs. No, he's not listening. <laughs> he didn't listen to you very he's well. He's too excited. Do you think he needs to go oh, to yawn. the bathroom? Maybe. As in outside. Oh, Maybe. he bumped a table. He bumped he's, a he's table. He bumped a table hard. <laughs> oh god. The podcast has been All derailed right. two times in ten minutes. <laughs> go in, go in, show the go go start up this episode while I go uh take the dog outside. All right. So whoa, whoa. uh, I need to. Well, what the fuck do I talk about? <laughs> Alright, so, uh... Talk to the kids. Shh. Is he, is he gone? Is he gone? Okay. Alright, kids, we're gonna talk about Scorpion King Book of Souls. Uh, it's directed by Don Michael Paul. It's written by people I don't know about. It's starring Zach McGowan. I don't know who that is. Uh, let's look at the plot, kids. In ancient Egypt, before the time of the pharaohs, King Memtep... <laughs> Oh shit, it's just me. Fuck. Uh, 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 what did you do? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Everything's fine. Okay. So, <laughs> what have you been playing? I don't remember what you did. I don't, I'm going to go back and list that later. I'm not. It's Ooh. a secret. Oh god. <laughs> I recorded some ASMR. Great. Uh, I have been playing. Uh, I finished Murdered Soul Suspect. Great. I'll talk about and review that. Uh, should we review things occasionally that we play and finish on this show? Sure. Can we give them a score out of 10? Whatever you want. I'll try and come up with whatever the <laughs> fuck that game is out of 10. Uh, I also, uh, I don't know. Should I just start with that? Let's just go into yeah, that. Go I have other stuff to talk about uh, that are that I enjoyed more than this. But here we go. Murdered Soul Suspect is a game, I think. You play as a ghost man, I think. He is a detective, I think. Uh, <laughs> I know all of these things, actually. Uh, it was made by Square Enix in 2014. I don't know what it retailed for back then. It retails for $20 now. I bought it for $2. And that's about what I would recommend uh, paying for this game uh, to get your money's worth. Ouch. Yeah, I don't want to be harsh. I know, you know, developers need a dollar. So you gave them two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I meant that more positively than I'm spinning it here. But, like, all right, here's the deal. Uh, I could see why people were disappointed with this game when it came out. Because it probably didn't bill itself as a point and click. But it's a point and click. It's a point and click. There's not really any way around it. It's a game where... You walk to a thing and hit X, and then you draw, like, you know, conclusions and try to find clues, and, like, then every now and then the game asks you a question and you have to answer it, but the game is really easy. If you, uh, answer a question wrong, if you choose the wrong piece of evidence to draw a conclusion from, the game will just be like, that's not the right piece of evidence. Try again. And if you, you know, it's like, kind of works on, like, a three strikes you're out system, but if you get the three strikes you're out... There'll just be some text that appears on the screen that's like, no, I need to think about this more. Then you just do it again. Uh, extremely easy on that front. Uh, 
the basic plot of this game is that you are a detective hunting a serial killer in Salem, Massachusetts, uh, current day Salem, Massachusetts. And during that chase of a killer, you are killed by the killer. And now you are dead. Game over. Oops, no, not really. You're a ghost. And as a ghost, you can do ghost things. You can walk through walls. You can talk to other dead ghosts uh, and solve their problems if you're so inclined. You can possess people. And really, I thought this was going to be a more cool mechanic than it is. Really, it's just a way to hear people's thoughts and occasionally go into them to solve a puzzle. Like to uh, poke around in their brain to find a clue. Uh, but really, what it what it is usually used for in this game is you go into somebody and it says hit square to hear what they're talking, thinking about. And you do and it's like, man, those murders are bad. And then you hit it again and they're like, sure is dark out tonight. And then you hit it again and it's like, those murders are bad. And then you hit it again and it's like, sure is dark out tonight. Oh, God. Every single... NPC in this game has two lines of dialogue and then it repeats that you can listen to from their thoughts, which is dumb. Uh, and then sometimes the game, uh, it wasn't, you know, they probably cut some corners with the development of this game. I know they did. Uh, NPCs will often repeat themselves, uh, sometimes in the same room. So you will literally see people talking to each other that are the same character model. Uh, and sometimes... There's not enough unique thoughts amongst all the people in a room. For example, at the museum stage late in the game, I ran into several people who thought the same things as other people. I usually tried to find all the dialogue in the game just to hear anything, but, you know, nothing too interesting occurred. Uh, besides trying to solve your own murder... Uh, there's a couple dumb side quests you can do that are just easy puzzles... Like helping out ghosts and finding the pickups that give you a bit of lore. And that's basically all it is. You know, it's like lore about the killer or lore about your dead wife or lore about, you know, a couple characters in the game or lore about the little ghost girl that you meet at the beginning of the game and, and blah, 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 blah. Uh... There's literally not too much interesting about this. The only thing that I can, like, really describe as action in the game are these stealth segments. Uh, there's enemies in the game referred to as demons. Uh, they're very simple. You just have to sneak up behind them. And then it says, hold right trigger to execute. And you hold right trigger. And while you're going through some kind of animation where you're absorbing their soul or some shit... Uh, it, has, it says, like, hit left and triangle, or hit down and square, and you just hit it, and then you kill them. And sometimes it gets a little more complicated late in the game. There was a couple frustrating moments, because there's multiple demons that you have to wait for, and the, once a demon sees you, you're fucked and might die, and the only thing you could do is hide in these little ghost hidey spots that are just wispy, smoke-looking shit. That sounds dumb. And and it's not, it's not great, uh... I thought it was going to get a little more complex and interesting when they introduced this mechanic where you could uh, use distraction objects to call the demons over to a certain area and then use that to your advantage to solve puzzles or, you know, and kill them. 
But I only ended up using it, like, the time it told you to do it. And then never again. I just snuck behind them and did what I did. I died a couple times, but there's no real penalty for dying. You just spawn close to your last checkpoint. That's fine. Uh, there's too many collectibles in this game. I platted the game, and I was going for the plat. And I, very early into the experience, I realized that there's a shit ton of collectibles, and I was going to miss some as I went on. And in looking through information about the game, I realized that certain areas of the game, if you allow the story to progress to a certain point, those areas are inaccessible and you can't get the collectibles inside them. There's a large over overworld that has most of the collectibles in it and then every kind of like level, if you will, has collectibles inside them as well. Uh, so I started playing the game while following a guide and getting all the collectibles that way which was kind of a dumb experience. You know, sometimes I like to do that. It's, you know, I like sometimes just turning my brain off and just having somebody tell me what to do. It's kind of like building a Lego. You just right. sit there with the instructions in front of you and you do what it says. And at the end of the day, you built something, but you didn't really do use your imagination. You just did something, but you have maybe a feeling of satisfaction. I guess for me, that feeling of satisfaction would be the plat. But overall, it wasn't a fun game. And the only thing that kept me going was I was interested in the story, but it ended up being shit. It didn't really go anywhere. The ghost aspect of it was interesting at first, but then immediately they introduce, you know, a character who's a medium, who's an edgy teen girl, who doesn't like you for no reason, and doesn't want to talk to you, and eventually you have to become friends with her, basically. That's the generic character development of the game. And she can see you and talk to you because she's a medium. And that happens so early in the game that being otherworldly and not being able to talk to anybody except ghosts was ruined very early on. And then, of course, the, the, there's just bad, bad twists at the end explaining who the killer is. Uh, spoilers, it's multiple people because the killer's a ghost possessing people to kill people. It's not good. Alright, so Jusby left to go get the dog, so instead of talking about this, we're going to talk about Scorpion King a little bit more. King Memtep made a covenant with Anubis, Lord of the Underworld, to create a cursed sword. Ah, oh, fuck, hey Jusby, anyway. Are you like, what are you doing while I'm gone? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. Mods are asleep. Anyway. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's not as bad as that, Jesus Christ. So, uh, I don't know. I guess overall, my final thoughts on this game was it was very lame and didn't really give me a whole lot of enjoyment except for, like, this game is pretty simplistic and I got a plat out of it, which is not enough for me to give it a very high rating. Uh, hey, Smudge. What did you think about Murdered Soul Suspect? Okay, you didn't like That's either. fair. Uh, there are cats. I not like it either. There are cats in the game. That was one of the only parts I really, really liked, actually. You could possess cats and be a cat. And then you it allows you to get to higher up areas and shit. And that, that was fun. Uh, there's even a meow button, which is a, a must if you're ever going to make a game with a cat in it. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to give Murdered Soul Suspect the great, great, great score of a uh, 4 out of 10. Damn. Uh, that's not... And now, you know me. I rate stuff higher than most people. 
some people, they say the average is 5 out of 10. I usually lean towards an average just like a 6 or a 7 out of 10. So for me, a 4 out of 10 is pretty harsh. I, I give it points for having a very interesting concept and a good setting. Uh, Salem, Massachusetts is cool. And I do feel like I learned a lot about Salem, Massachusetts because there's lots of little history tidbits. Uh, I, however, I could have just went to the Wikipedia page for the Salem Witch Trials, uh, which is what I feel like the development team did. <laughs> they, uh, they did a lot of historical research on Wikipedia, I bet. Um, I don't know how this is a Square Enix game. That's kind of uh, confusing to me. It must be the wing that creates shit like The Quiet Man or Remember Me. Yeah, you remember uh, they, Square Enix has, it's just, it just as a publisher, has like a bunch of different studios. They do... Uh... They did Hitman yeah. for a while. They they do Tomb Raider. Like, there is a poster for Just Cause at some point in this game. They so also it, do Just Cause. Might, yeah, it might have been people involved with that because otherwise there's no other references to uh, Square Enix shit in this game. Oh. It was, uh, you know, hey, it, it is what it is. I'm playing a much better game now, but why don't you talk about something for a little bit? Um. I don't know if I talked about it last episode, but I did finish Hollow Knight. I think you did. Uh, you said you were close to finishing it. You finished the main story, but you were doing side shit. Yeah, I finished the game. Um, you finished the side shit you were about to do, I Right, guess. yeah, it was the stuff to unlock the true ending of the game. So I got, like, what was a neutral ending to the game, and I and went then back. You got the... And then there's, you could go back and do, like, this uh, some extra shit. True, true pacifist. Ending. And it's, it's a good game. It's, it's a really good game. Um... I have the same gripes I had before. They haven't alleviated. You basically reviewed this last time. Right. So all I have to say is just like it's a game worth playing. Okay. I feel like I feel like even though the the map system is a little jacked up, it's it's still really good and it's one of the best Metroidvanias out there. And one of the best games released last year. Do you like Mummy Demastered more than it? No. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a smaller game. Yeah, it's a just much smaller by design, game. By design. Yeah, Hollow Knight's a better game than it. I was just memeing, really, but I almost was that at that point. But If you had to rate it out of, out of then, what do you think you'd slap that shit with? Nine. Okay, that's pretty good. Well, you got one problem. And that, yeah, and you outlined that. Before. Everything else is literally perfect, oh, so... Oh, yeah. There you go, that's it. The other game I've been playing is... Is, uh, is Rocky for the Xbox. Yeah, sure. I'm just kidding. What would you give Rocky out of ten? <laughs> Three. <laughs> it is worse than Murdered Soul Suspect. Any I'll any game you where you're fighting somebody and every input you put in buffers is a garbage game. Um, hey, it was good for 2004. Blah, blah, great. Blah, blah. The game I'm playing right now is Fist of the North Star: Lost Paradise. Yeah. Now, if you need, I haven't really talked about it too much on this show, but if you need any kind of background on like what what kind of games I really like, Yakuza is one of my favorite game series ever. You've talked about it several times on our podcast, right? So, so our listeners are probably familiar. Right. I'm gonna beat it <laughs> into their brains until they actually decide to play these fucking games. It ain't gonna work, Josby. Who the fuck? I ain't playing Yakuza. I'm playing Rento Fortune. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so fucking glad. <laughs> I'll play Yakuza. I have a lot of shit on the horizon, no pun intended, also including Horizon. So this game right here, a little, little, little jiggle the disc. Um, jiggle that disc. Is what I believe the perfect, the most perfect marriage I've ever seen between property and developer. Yakuza and Fist of the North Star? Right. Okay. Fist of the North Star, if you don't know what it is, 
is an anime from the 80s. And it is the most ridiculous bullshit in the fucking world. Uh, it's, it's crazy action packed. It's about a dude and like this martial artist guy in like a pose, like a kind of like a post apocalyptic type world. It's kind of like cyberpunky in it's a way. It's Mad Max. Max, yeah, that that's the best way to describe it. It's a lot like Mad Max. Yeah, the the setting is nothing else. Uh, <laughs> it was eighties, so that was popular right. at the time, or at least had cult status already. But it's, so, but it's about a dude go. who's a martial artist who uses a particular style that hits pressure points on somebody's body and causes them to explode. Yes, now I have seen a little bit of that because that's a meme. Uh, right. The, uh, you know, the classic Omewa Moishidru or whatever. Right, uh, that's from... Teleports Behind You. Yeah. Uh, meme is from Fist of the North Star. Right. And uh, has this not got a reboot ever? No. It just was an anime in the 80s. Yes. And has never gotten you know, it's a rebooted like, anime. It's like really well beloved amongst like older anime fans. So it's not really, it's probably like a don't, don't break what's. Yeah, don't, don't bro- fix what's. Don't yeah. fix what's not broken. Right. What the fuck? Yeah, don't fix what ain't broke. That anime's not broke. It's perfect the way it is. It's stupid. It's fun. It's action packed. I love it. That's fair. Um, Sounds right up my alley, to be honest. I no, want to play probably, this game really bad. You'd like the anime, I think. I probably would, but this might be a good introduction to it for me. Yeah, probably. Because uh, it's a Yakuza game, so it's got that going for it. And uh, Yeah, this game is literally the same. It's it's closer to like Yakuza 0, like the way it plays. It doesn't have styles like Yakuza 0 does. That's the only game that does that. But like, it's in the same engine. I'm glad because that's one of my main uh, things I don't like about Yakuza 0. Yeah, that, that's it's, the... it's a minor complaint because there's a lot of cool different styles, but I don't like having to choose one and then I feel like I ignore some of them and stuff like that. Yeah, you don't have to worry. The only games you have to worry about that in is Zero and Kiwami. The rest of them don't have it. Okay, good. Um, including this game, which which I consider under the Yakuza tree because it's literally a Yakuza I game. I feel like you don't need styles for this because he doesn't have any style. He just hits people. Huh, he hit that, that is his style. Yeah. It's, it's that martial art. Uh, so yeah, you take you take that team, the Yakuza team, who makes dumb, ridiculous shit that's just great and compelling as well, uh-huh. and then thrust them onto this property that's the exact same thing, except dumber. Oh, way dumber. Yeah, but it's perfect. Yeah, they take that shit, they run with it, and it pays off super well. It 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 looks it looks like Fist of the North Star. It sounds like Fist of the North Star. And it feels like Fist of the North Star, which is great. Perfect. They nailed it. That all sounds uh, great, good it, and including good. Including the cheesy style in 80s voice acting <laughs> is even in this game. They use English voice actors, and it sounds like an English dub from the 80s. It's great. The gameplay is as rock solid as you'd expect from the Yakuza game. It, it feels like a brawler game, but you're in an open world. It's awesome. It, has, it does a few things differently that I like a lot. You get a car in this game, and you can drive it around an open area. That's sort of like a desert from Mad Max. Um, okay. And you can put on different tunes while you're driving, including the Super Monkey Ball theme, which is Oh my funny. god, is it a bunch of Sega references and shit? Yeah, there's a bunch you can unlock, I think. Fuck yeah. Uh, you get, you Sonic get, like, get a new tape deck for your car. Listen oh, there to better be, tapes. Can there be some Sonic, please? Maybe. Well, I don't know if Yakuza know. ever references Sonic. Maybe because it's like a... I, I don't know. I feel like Sega probably keeps that separate because it's an M-rated franchise and an E-rated franchise. They have stuff like Rich Racer, Virtual Fighter. Yeah, they just don't like, reference Sonic is what I'm saying. Right. You know, yeah. It's Super Monkey Ball in this one. But uh, oh, that I guess that a is a kid-friendly franchise. Right. But, you know, hey. 
That stuff's a lot of fun. Uh, so is this game. It has the same, like, high-quality side, side quest, minigame stuff you'd expect. One that I particularly particularly love is the bartending minigame. And you're, you're, mix, you're mixing and making drinks for people, right? Customers come to the bar. You pick a customer to serve a drink. You serve them a drink. And you do, like, a little minigame where you, you're preparing a drink. Then what he does after that is the gorgeous part. He does whatever he's supposed to do so insanely extra, and then he gives the drink a name. And it's sort of similar to the name of what the actual drink is, but it has a little uh, little Kenshiro flair to it. Mm-hmm. The main character's named Kenshiro. A little Kenshiro flair to it. Like sex on the beach isn't sex on the beach, it's brawl on the beach or something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because he ain't thinking about sex. No. Probably not. <laughs> there is some uh, big titty women's in this game. but Yeah. Uh, hey. Well, he's the idea of Fist of the North Star is it's, it's about his relationship with, with the woman that he loves. Okay. And uh, he's trying to find her. Spends a lot of Fist of the North Star doing that. And uh, you find her in this game, all right. That's big, big, big objective of the game is to find her. But, uh, it's great. I love it. I actually love it a lot. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I, I I bought it on sale, and I was like, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to like this game, because it's, a Yaku- it's, it's Yakuza, so I'm going to like it. I did not come away, I'm only about maybe at the quarter way point, maybe halfway. I don't know how many chapters are in this game. I think I'm on, like, chapter seven or six. Uh, okay, how many chapters do you think there are? Uh, usually in one of these games, there's like 13, 14. Okay. So okay. I'm, I'm probably about at the midway point. And a big revelation just happened, so maybe. It has like the same kind of winding storyline that Yakuza does. It's very intricate and like layered. And they hit They hit that just as well as they normally do. Cool, cool. The studio's consistent as fuck. Yeah. Now, I, I was talking about this. Like, year after year, they just keep... Putting out games, and you they put them out this, at a, yeah. a high frequency. They don't. They, they don't take. I mean, a just lot of time. in last year alone, there was Yakuza Six, this game, and Kiwami and Two. And Two. Now, to be fair, Fist, Fist of the North Star and Kiwami Two came out beforehand in Japan. Localization got, takes a while, yeah. right? Yeah, and localization for Fist of the North Star took a little longer because they did voice acting. Right. Because uh, what's happening with uh, Judgment. Judgment. Which is supposed to come out this summer, and it, it just came out in Japan. That's cool. Which means they're being quicker about it. They're probably working closer to the Japanese. Did it team. get good reviews in Japan? Oh, yeah. People love that game. Cool, cool. I'm very excited for it. People say it's more what you expect, except it plays out like a uh, Japanese TV drama. Gimme. <laughs> I'm all about that. But uh, I will come back with, I guess, with the score now and uh, other shit once I'm done with the game. But it will probably be very high. Just letting you all know now. It's a 11. Maybe, no, that's Yakuza 6. That's an 11 out of 10. Oh, Christ. All right. I'm sure that game's really fucking good. I'm sure there's something wrong with it that keeps it from being an 11, Jazz. Oh, I'm sure you could find something, but not me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't know how to play. I feel, I feel I like I don't know Yakuza... how to play backgammon. So it's bad. Genhart, I feel about Yakuza well, not like how you in. feel about Tony Hawk. You know, that's fair. I wouldn't give any Tony game a 10 because there's problems in every single one. I like to be critical, I guess. Yeah, but like these are actually like really good games, though. Like high-tier quality. That's fair. My favorite Tony game is not a 10 because my favorite Tony game is Tony Hawk's Underground 2. And that's not even close. There is a lot of fucking problems with that game, but it has the most content of any Tony Hawk game. 
that exists. So it's by default the best, I think. Uh, anyway. There's one other game I want to shout out real quick before we move on. I'm sorry, I played a lot of video games this last week. So did I. Um, uh, really quick, just because I played a demo of it. Uh, it's a little, little, little game called Yoku's Island Express. I, I saw it on the Nintendo eShop on my Switch. And I was like, what's this? And then there was a demo for it, and I downloaded it. The best way I could describe it is it's uh, Metroidvania, but it's pinball. So it's Metroid Pinball. Right. It's like the best thing. <laughs> it's the closest thing I'm going to get to Metroid Pinball 2. And uh, it's it's really adorable. has a really nice art style to it. Good music. And you're, you're a little bug with a little ball on you. And you, you're knocking around. And you use little bumpers with your triggers. And, uh, and you play pinball. But also explore and find things. Like a Metroidvania would work. It's really fascinating. I'm, I'm probably going to purchase that game. That's cool. Well, what's the other thing you've been playing again? So, uh, the Resident Evil 2 remake, yeah. re- remake 2, is coming out very soon. I'm really excited for it. So, I owned already uh, Remake 1. Uh, it's usually called Remake with uh, R and E capitalized, uh, at least in you know, gamer circles. Uh, so I just always call it Remake 1, and now I'm going to call this one Remake 2. But uh, I already own Remake 1 and Code Veronica X. Uh, but I didn't really want to play Code Veronica X before 2. I kind of wanted to just play the two games that take place before 2, which are 0 and 1. Right. So I was like, let me start with 0. And I had to buy 0, but it was on sale. So I was like, hell yeah, time to do it. Now, I think I talked about this before. Love Resident Evil. Resident Evil 4 is my favorite game of all time. That is a game I would give an 11 out of 10 to. Uh, That's fair. There's not really much wrong with it. Uh, people like to bitch about Ashley, I think, for a horror game. Even though it's horror action, I guess you could say. It adds a barrier of difficulty. Unlike, uh, oh, sorry, very much like a movie we watched today. Um, Resident Evil 4... Uh, changed for good and incredibly bad how the horror and action games work forever. Yeah. And Resident Evil. And Resident Evil. Uh, Because after that, you got 5 and 6, which ape off of the success of 4 and make it worse each time. 5 is worse than 4. 6 is worse than 5. 7 was a back on track for the franchise. 7 is a great game. Now, I have never really clicked with the classic Resident Evils. The tank controls were a hindrance to me, and I never could really get into them. But I wanted to change that, because I wanted to play 0 and 1 before 2 comes out. Honestly, tank controls, real quick opinion on tank controls, the only time tank controls ever worked is if you played those games on the PlayStation 1, and then uh, if, if you didn't, um, well, and then if you still like them, you're wrong. And uh, take your rose-colored glasses off. Anyway, go ahead. Well, the good thing is, I believe Zero and Remake uh, both have updated controls. Yeah, they ditch it. Now, it's still not entirely all, you know, all, you know, coming up roses when you play it. Because it's still like the weird wonky, you gotta pick shit up and you have to be in the right position to pick shit up. There's the changing camera angles, so even with the free range of motion, you'll be moving up, and then the camera will change, and you're looking at a different angle, and then all of a sudden you're moving down, so you gotta like adjust every time that screen changes, which those games are very slow-paced, even though they're very quick games. 
So it's fine. I usually just stop moving my character when I change camera angles unless I'm running away from shit and then just move after that. Right. Easy enough. Uh, I think it finally clicked for me and I kind of like it now. I'm going to play the actual good one because let me get into what I didn't like about Zero and what I did like about Zero. Okay. I guess we'll start with what I liked about Zero. Uh, it, it helped me finally understand and appreciate the classic Resident Evil kind of game. Uh, I put it on easy, and that actually helped me a shit ton to get into this game. Yeah. I'm going to revisit Zero at some point. I don't know if I'll be able to get the plat because i got to beat on hard and a bunch of other shit. But, like, now that I know what I'm doing in these games, which has always been a hurdle I've failed to get across, I feel like I'm ready for it to be a little harder. There are games, and I've said this a lot, there are games that are better off being played on easy, at least your first time. I think these games might be one of them. It's a big, big psychological hurdle when the game feels like it's fighting against you. Right. And it does that with the controls, and it does that with zombies that don't die until you shoot them seven or eight times. On easy, they die in three hits. And you can also get headshots off pretty well. And Zero ends up giving you a shit ton of ammo. So there's never really a moment where you feel like you're truly fucked. Even with all the crazy enemies that that game throws at you. Which is another one of the positives I like. Uh, You know, obviously, Resident Evil has scores and scores and scores of weird creatures they throw at you. But uh, Zero gets creative and has new shit, even on top of returning old things. Like, you know, your standard zombies. You got hunters in there. You got uh, the zombie dogs for a minute. But you also got, like, these like, little baboon ding dudes that will kill you really quick if you're not careful. You got big old bugs. You got the leech mans, which are the hardest enemy in the game. Not hard on easy mode, but I could see them being a hindrance when I play on hard. And uh, just the enemy type was always varied to the point where, like, I didn't know what I was going to encounter every time I entered a room. I also really liked once you get past the train segment of the game. I ended up liking the train segment of the game, but I, you know, I've played Resident Evil Zero before. I didn't get past the train part. I couldn't figure out what to do at some point, but once I finally got past the train part and got to, there's actually a mansion in this game, just like Resident Evil 1. There's other areas too, but like for the most part, this game takes place in a mansion facility the game really picks up and is good. It feels more like normal Resident Evil, where there's not, like, just five rooms and you got to figure something out. There's a bunch of rooms and things that are locked behind specific key doors and the puzzles were clicking for me and I was finally really understanding how to play these games. And I love that part of it. Here's what I don't like about Resident Evil Zero. It's not like Resident Evil 1 or 2 or 3. Because they introduced a new mechanic, which ends up being the biggest detriment to this game. You do not have an item box. You just have two characters that you control at the same time. There's several scripted events where they get separated and you can only control one. But 
This makes it so that you have 12 inventory slots. Six for each character. That is it. That is all you can carry. With Resident Evil and 2 and 3, you do have less, but you also have the item box. So you can always go back and get something easy and quick. This didn't feel like that. This felt like it was just difficult to item manage the whole game. Eventually I understood what to do, but the game doesn't really come out and tell you this. Just throw shit on the floor. If you if you need to make room for something, just throw what you have on the floor. Now, I thought about it a little more than that, and I like threw stuff I didn't need at the moment into save rooms so that I knew where stuff was, but as long as you get the map for an area, which I got every map for every area, they were in easy-to-find locales, it tells you where every item you dropped on the floor is at any given time, and they don't disappear. The pickups are there forever. Herbs, ink ribbons... All your weapons, all your key items, you can throw them on the floor if you don't need them right then and pick them right back up whenever you have room. Still annoying. Still extremely annoying. Yeah, it was. I think that's the biggest blunder of that game too. I played it a long time ago on the GameCube um, and I enjoyed it for the most part. But I could not fucking stand. I couldn't stand the character switch mechanic in general, actually. I thought it was. A, it took I, a while to get used to, but once I did, I kind of understood it more. And I don't know if it was different on the GameCube because I'm playing the HD remaster. Right. Not really a remaster, just just an upscaling. It's just HD, really. Uh, it's it's best to just have it so that your partner character follows you and doesn't shoot, at least on easy mode. Because I ended up, like, leaving it where, like, you know, I was controlling Rebecca for most of the game. And I had her with the handgun. And then I would give Billy the shotgun. But I didn't have it set so that Billy wouldn't shoot. So whenever I encountered a zombie, he'd just start wasting my shotgun ammo. And I'd be like, you motherfucker. Damn it. <laughs> I don't want to waste all my shotgun ammo on zombies that I could shoot with the pistol. But you can turn that off. And you could just have them leave. You can have them stay in areas and... As long as you get to a door, you can click in the button that calls them over to you and then just go through the door and they zip right to the next area along with you. It was easier to figure out once that clicked for me as well. There are times when it's clunky and there's times when the game in general is clunky and that's not just a Resident Evil thing. I think that's just a Resident Evil Zero thing. It is. Uh, There's kind of like... So many items that I had to, like, work to pick up. Because there was other shit around it that would cause, like, text to appear on the screen. Like, you know, oh, all those books are dusty, but they're not very useful. Or something stupid like that. But it's right next to an item that I need to pick up, and I keep trying to pick it up, but instead I'm getting that text box for the bookshelf. That happened so many fucking times. Because they seemingly just thought of some text to appear for every fucking thing in the whole fucking game. I don't know. There were so many times when that happened to me. And I just, like, could not pick something up for the life of me. That part was dumb. Especially with you have, you know, the you can drop shit wherever mechanic. Sometimes you drop shit in an area that doesn't work very well for you to grab it. And it you just have to, like, stand in a very specific way to get it. The fixed camera angles don't help with that aspect of the game. 
the story is very fucking stupid because it's a Resident Evil game. But I enjoyed it anyway because it's a Resident Evil game and I expected it to be stupid. It's stupid to the point where it's funny at times. The end of the game is literally just evil Sephiroth going like, We'll see which one of us is gonna die! And then you shoot him with like five grenades and he dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, They try to tell a serious story with Billy because he has like post-traumatic stress disorder a little bit and then he like is accused of doing something that he didn't do. And they have this really edgy backstory cutscene, which is like, I don't know, it's it's a spoiler, but I don't really care. It doesn't really matter. He was part of some military unit that was ordered to attack a village of insurgents in Africa. Uh, but then it was just an innocent village. But then they decided so that they had something to report. Or, like, they could pretend they did their job by just killing everybody there. Just slaughtering this entire innocent village. And he was like, no, let's not do that. And then all of his unit did it anyway, and then blamed it on him. And so he didn't do anything, and yet he's a criminal at the beginning of the game, and he escapes when zombies happen. And then Rebecca lets him go at the end of the game. Spoilers. It doesn't really matter. It's a prequel. You know Billy doesn't show up in any other Resident Evil game. Whatever. Rebecca shows up immediately, but... Somehow forgets a lot of the things that happened in Zero. <laughs> Probably because they wrote this way after. Yeah. Uh, but there's some funny nods. Like, there's a puzzle that involves playing the piano. And Rebecca can't play the piano. As you learn in Resident Evil. <laughs> so, because, like, there, that's one of the more frustrating things. You have to wait for Rebecca to learn the piano. When you play as Chris. To do a puzzle. She doesn't know how to play it. But Billy does. And that's how you know to solve that puzzle. You switch to Billy. And there was lots of dumb fun ones, like, you know, reading notes to find out when leeches died or not, so that you know the numbers for a code. That sounds stupid describing it, but that's literally what I had to do in this game at one point. Uh, The ending area kind of sucks. It's just a series of labs that were confusing for me to know where they were in relation to each other, and it was just so many rooms and so many floors, and, like, not as tight... And easy to remember where to go is the mansion segment of the game, which is the main best part. Uh, I unlocked a bunch of side contact. Uh, There's a mode where you play as Wesker I want to play so bad. Uh, I might try that out tonight before I start Resident Evil. You you get to just uh, go complete global saturation on all the enemies of the game. You just hold square and they all die, I think. Complete global saturation. Seven minutes. God, seven minutes is all I have to play with him. When, how long is are they gonna wait to just bring Wesker back into the franchise? Like, Resident Evil Eight. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, they already kind of did, apparently. Uh, well, not really. He has a sister that they reveal in the lore for uh, Revelations Two. Alex Wesker. Those games had a sister whole time. Didn't bring it up. First Revelations, not bad. Good game. Second one, awful. I've never played it. Awful. I I don't know what's bad about it. I don't know. What, I couldn't. What. I couldn't even get really into it. It was just. It was just just felt like a like a, a substantially worse version of the first one. Oh wait, no, I did play that for a minute. I think I played it with Josh in a demo, 
and I was disappointed because he got to play as Claire, and then I was playing as a side character, and all I had was a flashlight, and I couldn't attack. Yeah, the co-op in the game's awful. Yeah, I was really mad about that. Even in 6, at least I could shoot things. I, fuck off. In Revelations, you could shoot things, too. Uh-huh. I don't know if that had co-op, co-op or not. It did, yeah. Did it? Mm-hmm. I don't think it does for PS4, which sucks, but Really? Hey. It did on the 3DS. <sighs> I know. Um, If it does, I'll play that with Josh. I've been wanting to play another co-op game with him. It's fun times. Josh is my brother, by the way. He was on the show. Yeah, he was once. Uh-huh. Never gonna have him on again. I hated him. All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, look, they need to know the lore from the previous episodes to watch this one. Don't just jump in in episode 20. Or please do. But please enjoy our show at any point. <laughs> yeah, just, just listen to it. God damn it! Yeah. Do yeah. it! Yeah. But, uh... I don't know. Give it a rating. I'm gonna give that a six... That sounds about right. And uh, it might go up or down depending on what going into getting other trophies in it does to my brain. It will make it better, I think. It, I don't think it's going to make it better. Got to go to leech mode. Get all the leeches. That's a thing. Collect them leeches. God. Do you have anything else you want to play talk about? That's it. Okay, Let's I do, though. Big shit. Oh, you have another thing. Well, oh, speaking yeah. of Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The demo came out for two. It was really fucking good. So I keep hearing... It's really fucking good. Now, I'm not going to play the demo myself. I feel like you should because it's not as much of the game as you're thinking it's going to be. It's not ruining anything for you. It's just showing you how the game controls and how like what it might be like. And then that's it and it's over. It reminded me a lot of the Resident Evil 7 demo. Uh, which obviously is a little different because it just presents you with kind of a separate scenario. Right. But basically shows you how the game is going to work. Uh, that's what this one is. It, it's very good. Um, man, this, this, I don't know. I was going into this game with high expectations already, but now my expectations are really high. Cause now that I know how this controls, I'm a big fan. It's a good combination of Resident Evil four and Resident Evil seven, which are two of my favorite in the franchise anyway. So combining them both is, a uh, Seems like a great idea. Uh, obviously, it's third person, not first person, but the way that you shoot and the way that enemies die or don't die uh, is very similar to Seven. Zombies take a lot of damage. They're very tanky. As they are in the classic games, yeah. If they still have their head, I think they can get up no matter what. But the problem is... You can't just shoot them in the head three times and they die. Sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes you gotta shoot them in the head a shit ton for their head to pop. It's fun, though. And it adds to the tenseness of the game. It's really fucking gory. It's really fucking over the top. But at the same time, it feels a lot more serious and grounded than any Resident Evil game that's ever happened before. Similar to 7, although 7 got over the top quick. Uh, and God, God bless it for doing so. Yeah, I, I uh, thought it was a good move. I feel like this game's gonna dabble in that a bit. Like, once you meet, like, the Tyrant and fucking Birkin and all that shit, it's gonna be oh, a yeah, fucking Resident ridiculous. Resident Evil's at its best when it doesn't take itself seriously, I think. I don't think this one's entirely taking itself seriously because there's aspects of it that Remind me of how Seven works a bit. Like, you know how, like, Ethan is in this terrible 
terrible, terrible, hellish scenario, but he still has time to, like, go, like, oh, that's special, or, like, right. <laughs> fuck you, and, like, shit like that. That's what Leon is in this. It's great. that You could just be shooting zombies, and they just keep coming at you, and he's just like, son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 or, like, after you kill a zombie, and it's, like, all gross, and it's, like, dilapidated, he'll just go, like, fuck. <laughs> it's so good. Uh... The acting is great, and that's something that you don't say about a Resident Evil game. Uh, I would say it about seven, though, so, like, I think they're learning. Get your ass back to the house. Well, yeah, it's stupid, no, it's great. but it's fucking delivered well, because it was meant to be funny, I think. Uh, I think so, too. But, like, the serious moments in that game are delivered well, and, and that's the case here, too. Like... Leon is voiced. You only really hear Leon and Marvin, uh, and but they're both voiced spectacularly. The demo is really short, and my only complaint would be the way that Capcom decided to present this demo, which is a one-shot, thirty-minute-long demo, which means that if you don't beat it in thirty minutes, sorry, your time is up. You did not beat the demo here's a link to buy the game and then you can't play it again. Now, obviously people are finding ways around that because lots of people are talking about this and playing the fuck out of it, making other accounts, making shit ton of dummy accounts so that they can keep playing it. I watched Max a million dude play it, uh, like six times on Twitch. Uh, he basically, uh, played it every which way he could. He, he did the first go through, which he didn't beat. Then he did a couple playthroughs to get the layout of everything. He did a playthrough where he beat it as fast as possible, which, like, everyone's kind of doing, like, three and a half minutes, basically. Yeah, that's, that's about what people... Uh, people are getting around three minutes. I tried to do that with my, my remaining time after I beat it, because I beat it in, like, uh, 17 minutes or so, but it wasn't enough time to beat it. Uh... And then he did a playthrough where he tried to get every single item. Because there's lots of little secrets. I don't know if there's any notes that tell you these things, but there's, like, little locker combinations. And the combinations are, like, R-E-S and B-I-O. There's nothing that tells you that, but obviously that's referencing the title of the series. So maybe that's just, like, little nods like that. There's lots of nods to things. And there's, like, even nods to Seven, I think. There's, like, a little mannequin on the desk that, like... Looks just like the mannequins from the fucking guest house. What's that doing here? I don't know. Uh, I'm very excited. A little trailer plays when you beat the demo. Or don't beat the demo. It just plays when you're done. Uh, the trailer shows a lot of fun shit and confirms two very important things that I am very excited about. Fourth Survivor is back, which was a mode where you played as Hunk the Boba Fett of the Resident Evil franchise. Yeah, basically. Uh, I mean, look at the checklist. Uh, masked, badass man, doesn't really do much of significance, but people remember him because he looks cool. That's it. I mean, we all know he's Chris Redfield. Hunk is Chris Redfield. <laughs> Don't fucking bring this shit back. God, <laughs> the fucking Chris isn't real Chris theories. That was fucking obnoxious. As if they haven't redesigned Chris every fucking game he appears in. Remember when he was a fucking meat mountain and he killed a boulder? <laughs> Anywho, uh, it confirms that, and then it confirms 
Tofu Survivor as well. Tofu Survivor's coming back, which is fucking ridiculous that they would actually bring that back. If you're not familiar with that meme, that's a mode from the original Resident Evil 2, which is, it's just a copy of Hunk's mode, except you only have a knife, but you play as... I think what they used as just the base, like, this is the hitbox for the player character model, but it looks like a big chunk of tofu. So they they just put that in the game just as a joke, gave him a little hat, <laughs> and called it Tofu Survivor. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's Hunk's scenario, but it's really fucking hard because all you have is a knife, and that shit throws liquors and uh, fucking Mr. X at you and everything. So you're just fucked. Those modes look like they're expanded upon because there's screenshots of them in areas like the streets of the Raccoon City that they weren't in in that scenario. You're restricted to the police station. Uh, so that's exciting if they actually expanded upon that. And uh, maybe slight spoilers here, but I don't think anything too crazy. Uh, people scoured the demo's code to find out anything they could. Uh, what we do know is this. The available modes, there's something called Ada the Spy, which is either the parts in Leon's campaign where you play as Ada, or an entirely separate mode where you play as Ada. I'm willing to bet it's an entirely separate mode, because now Ada is a bigger character in the franchise, had her own playable moments in 4 and 6, so, giving her her own little scenario in two would probably be a smart move. It'd be fitting. It would be fitting. There's something that is a, a mode, I think it's called Rogues. I'll look into it. But it it sounds like it's maybe mercenaries, but there's some speculation that it could be a rogue-like mode. Where you're in the police station, enemies are randomized, items are randomized. So maybe it's like a built-in randomizer. And that's cool. That sounds dope. And you might be able to pick characters for that. There's a list of uh, characters that are voice acted. And amongst those is Chris Redfield. Can't even skip out the game that he's not in. Uh, (laughs) And fucking Ethan from Resident Evil 7. If those are playable characters in this, like, roguelike, allegedly, mode, uh, that's interesting. I don't know how Ethan is a playable character because he was a first-person character without a face. So they're going to have to create a face for him. He has a face. Nope. In the code, he doesn't have a face, but he has a face. Where? I mean, I just know he has a face. Yeah, but, like, what is it? We don't, don't know. know. We don't know what it we is. We don't know what face. his face is, is my point. Yeah, give him a face. Uh, in the coding, it's because it's, it's just his sleeves and feet. Right? Right. Because he, uh, VR man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but hey, it could be nothing. It could just be, you know, a reference. Or it's just left over from them developing it. Maybe they just, in bringing over the RE engine, they had his voice lines. So it's part of the game's code. A lot of this could be that. Speaking of which, there's something called Classic Mode. At least there's costumes that are labeled classic mode. Leon, classic mode, Claire. I don't know what that means yet. There's also maybe there's some material alleging that you can change the camera angle. I don't know what that means yet. I don't know if that's necessarily you can play this like Resident Evil 2 original. 
but with the new graphics. Fixed camera angles, tank controls. I don't know. I kind of doubt it. It's probably just like Leon literally looks like Resident Evil 2 Leon. <laughs> I hope it's like that, actually. That'd be fucking hilarious. You know, like when you have that um, bad graphics snake costume in... Uh, yeah. In... Uh, well, you know. I, I think... In MGS3. No, it's, that is in 5. Yeah. It's in Ground Zeroes. Yeah. Not, not Base 5. Right. But right. yeah. Uh... Yeah, I, I I had a hell of a time with it. It's uh it's super gory, but it's like over the top horror movie gory, and that's the shit that I like. It wasn't like necessarily Rob Zombie d- d- gross surgery scenes gory. There's lots of people talking about how gory it is, but I think just because it's zombies and because it's Resident Evil, it has that feeling that it's like ridiculous a little bit. And I was able to have fun with it. I was like, oh my, holy shit, and having fun looking at uh, cop intestines. <laughs> so, I feel like you should play it. It's really good. Excited as hell for this game. Has the potential to be game of the year. And it's January. I don't know. I know it's definitely going to skew towards this for me, because it plays a little bit like my favorite game of all time, and that might just be enough. I don't know. Want to do a hard turn into some bad news? Sure. So. Is Scorpion King 6 coming out? Now, as of today. Uh Uh-huh. The, uh. You know, way back when EA uh, shut Visceral down? And they took their game and they were going to turn into, like, this open world multiplayer type game? Yeah. Right? EA has canceled that. Officially, they've announced that that is canceled. Hmm. Well, that sucks. So now, everybody's like, "What the fuck? What's EA doing?" Well, Kotaku broke this report, a la one Jason Schreier, and uh, he's expanded on the story since it first published. Where that's really all the information that he had. And uh, he talked to a bunch of people from EA Vancouver, which was the developer that kind of took some residual people from Visceral and was making this game. Uh, the code name of the game was Orca. And you're going to be a bounty hunter who explored various open world planets and worked with different factions in the Star Wars universe. Was the idea of the game. I don't know if this game is going to end up being like a Destiny-like game or what their plan was, because it's supposed to be multiplayer too from what I heard. Interesting. I don't know. It will never know, is the thing. Now, the reasoning might not really have been that it wasn't, like, good or anything like that. Apparently it was timeline-based, which is interesting. Apparently they looked at the timeline for this this codename Orca, right? Uh Uh-huh. It was going to take too long to come out? Right. They thought it was going to take too long to come out, so Vancouver has been repurposed... (sighs) To make a smaller, easier Star Wars game that is set to come out probably in 2020. Okay. Don't know what that's going to be. Don't know what it's going to do. But why? I feel like Star Wars as a franchise is kind of in a funk on all fronts. Yeah. Uh, in video games, what are the what are the Star Wars video games we've had in recent years under EA? Uh, just Battlefront, Battlefront 2. That's now, not a lot. 
in the same time span that we've gotten Battlefront, Battlefront 2, back in the day when LucasArts was just, just you like, uh, letting other developers work on the franchise, uh, they put out a shit ton of games. Including both KOTOR games, uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight 3 and 4, or, sorry, Jedi Knight 2 and 3, or Dark Forces 3 and 4. Yes. Uh, Republic Commando, which is a good game. Uh, you had, uh, Republic, like the Starfighter game that was on the PS2. Star Wars Racer Revenge, I think you Yeah, mentioned. that was one of them. Yeah. And they can't all be hits, but at least they were coming out with shit. Battlefront 1 and 2 are bad for yeah. EA. So, that's already a bad trend. Uh, does EA lose this license at some point? If this trend keeps up, I'd imagine. If the next Star Wars game they release is bad, they lose the license, I think. After Battlefront 2 was the debacle that it was... Disney will look elsewhere because EA is a big fucking company that shafts people constantly, yeah, but they now, ain't, they ain't fucking Disney. Disney is like 800 times the size. Now Disney also apparently is uh, really hard to work with now compared to back in the day. Makes sense. Uh, the, the main develop the lead developer in kingdom hearts. He's, he's gone on record saying that, it was a very long and difficult process working with Disney mm-hmm. for Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. And every single thing he did had to be like submitted to them so they could approve it, get it back to him, work on something else, submit it to them. And it's like a big back and forth. It takes forever. If they don't like something, you have to change it because it's their property. And that might be part of the reason why these Star Wars games are taking so long and why they're having so many problems. Yeah. But the, the debacle that happened with Battlefront 2 has nothing to do with that. That was all EA. Outside of that, who knows? But as far as we know, there's still another Star Wars game being made by a very, very talented studio at Respawn. That was and, soft announced at E3. Right. Last year. And will probably come out next year, I'd imagine. Right? Uh, it's been being worked 2020. on. Yeah, uh, the idea for that game is really cool. So yeah, I hope that it. it's good. Uh, I definitely have more faith in Respawn than I have a lot of the wings of EA. Yeah, they made both Titanfall games. And uh, and th- that that's the studio that revolutionized first-person shooters. They're, that's the studio that made Call of Duty 4. Yeah. And it's right. the same two guys that led the studio. So, like... Cool. And, and and they haven't really stopped making good games. Like I said, both Titanfall games are awesome. Uh, Titanfall 1's a really great multiplayer game. Titan, Titanfall 2 is the same great multiplayer game, maybe a little bit stripped back. But then has an excellent campaign. Yeah, I saw you playing that. It looked really cool. The stuff it, fucking around with time. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that was Titanfall, to be honest. I was like, yeah. what? It's really well made. Uh, I was very, very impressed by that game. It's really good. And so putting Star Wars in their hands is, I think, the biggest positive of the yeah. whole EA thing. Yeah. Even though they're not technically owned by EA anymore. That's a thing. All right. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating. We'll see what happens with that. I don't know. Like I said, this keeps going. I don't think they hold on to the license for much longer. I, I, I... No, probably not. I don't see it happening. There's other Star Wars games that kind of happen here and there. Uh, or, well, actually, I'm not sure. I think 
Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens happened while EA had the license. But note that there hasn't been a Lego Star Wars The Last Jedi. I think that was being worked on before EA acquired the license. Okay, so there might not be another Lego Star Wars game. Right. Sad! Like those games. Fuck. Because <laughs> EA is probably not going to let that license go to anybody else. Lego could have also restructured because I think that they're doing a lot of good moves now. Because maybe making a game based on one movie is not what people expect. That was a good game, but it did limit what you could do in it severely. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. It would probably be better to have one that's the entire J.J. trilogy with a little dose of Ryan Johnson. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Speaking of Star Wars, Solo's on Netflix. You going to watch it? Nope. Okay. That's fair. I'm going to because I'm, I'm curious. Everyone I know and respect except for my own mother has told me that this movie sucks ass. My mom said it was good. I don't usually agree with my mom <laughs> when it comes to pop culture things. She likes Supernatural. I can't really defend that show. But, I I don't know. I do want to see it just so that she will stop asking me if I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to like what I have to say, probably. Oh, God. But whatever. Um, no, I refuse. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving him shit. I just, I don't know. What I don't a care. dumb idea for a movie. I just don't care. When the movie either. got announced, I didn't care. I did because of who was attached to make it. But then that. that Lord got, and Miller. Yeah, then that got fucked. Yeah. Uh, now they're, you know, they're making Lego Movie 2 to bring it back to Lego. I always do. They had their hands in the Spider-Verse machine, and that worked out tremendously well for them. Uh, it's probably good that their names aren't attached to Solo, but they are attached to Spider-Verse, <laughs> is what I would say. They're going to be attached to Lego Movie 2, which I bet is going to be fun. First one was good. Sure. I, I like I like. The it'll at least movie. be funny. Yeah. Uh, I got to see Lego movies still. It's I've actually, seen I've seen most of it, but I, I don't know like, how it how it uh, ends. It's not like anything substantial, but it's like it's just a fun movie. It's a I good like time. What I saw of it. It's yeah. it's uh much like Spider-Verse, the animation is what sells that movie for. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, really well done. It's very different both cases, of course, but they're both gorgeous and they understand their source material to the T. It it was a must that that was animated differently than different things right speaking of movies are we gonna go into the main let's do it yeah we were, we're pretty far into any this. more news uh, nothing else i think gearbox I man i don't even want to talk about randy pitchford i won't give him the time of day but it's magic jesby i fucking hate that man <laughs> that's that's fair Other, anyway i don't know more more than enough people have talked about that yeah. by now i don't care either the matrix though 1999 yeah Party over, whoops, out of time. Yeah. <laughs> so, we started watching the Matrix Trilogy movies. Well, Quadrilogy, I guess, because you include the... It's a trilogy, and then there's a side thing that we are going to watch, which is called the Animatrix. The Animatrix. Right. Anime. Tricks. Right. It's an anime of the serial tricks. Yes. Okay. 
I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you finally <laughs> understand that. That was the dumbest. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, now we had fun today, but will we have fun next week? Yeah. Oh, because it's Animatrix. Yeah. Well, I, like that that, that, I don't know. I haven't seen Animatrix, but the last two weeks might be a grind. I don't think it'll be a grind. <laughs> they're might. not. They're not horrible movies. I don't think any of these movies are garbage or really bad. I don't. I don't think so. That's a good thing to pref- preface this with because the Matrix sequels get shit on relentlessly for being garbage sequels. I don't know. In in comparison I, to uh, the original movie, which you were about to start probably raving about, um, yeah, 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 sure. Well, it's a, it's a thing like godfather 3 and the star wars prequels where it's like in the jurassic park sequels yes uh but less so in terms of what i'm about to talk about where the hype level of this impending sequel or string of sequels is so goddamn high that people have no choice but to hate it regardless of the quality of what it is when it comes out now granted yeah godfather 3 by all accounts not a good movie Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. By all accounts, the worst thing to happen in 1999. There might be a few other things that are that are worse. I'm sorry. Like Columbine. <sighs> Oof. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it is terrible. But like, I, I don't know if it would hurt as bad in the current Star Wars climate if it happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, after we've seen stuff like you know okay-ish movies like Rogue One and bad movies like Solo, would Phantom Menace hurt as hard? No. Would Matrix Reloaded hurt as bad if the Matrix wasn't as fucking good as it is? No. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. Right, right. Okay, I see what you mean. I guess Jurassic Park 2 kind of does have that kind of it does quality to it. But after that, why would you expect anything? <laughs> We should do those movies sometime. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I really want to see the new one so bad. It sounds like the funniest goddamn thing ever made. I'm not interested. Man, there's a velociraptor that sets off explosions and winks at the audience and all kinds great, of shit. Great, I, I, really I need don't, it. I really don't fucking care. <laughs> well, hey, whatever. What, a, what, what a can you do? Shit fucking... <sighs> Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies of all time, by the way. Oh, the first one? Sure. Yeah, it, so that's a shame. That they just couldn't make another good one. Jeff with, Goldblum, with Jeff Goldblum no yeah. less. Jeff Goldblum sells the first one for me. Yeah, but he he doesn't help the second one. Nope. Uh, he just he's just there, and you can kind of tell that he doesn't want to be. Fair, fair, Jeff. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but like you know. Anyway, the Matrix though. That's a better movie to talk about. Let's go. This is a film, okay? It is, yeah. Personally, one of my favorite of all time. Um, so you that, would give this the just be eleven out of ten, right? Okay. That simultaneously, like, evolved and completely fucking destroyed action movies forever. <laughs> I I guess. Let me let me talk about this then. Yeah. So this movie invented slow motion. Not really, but slow motion action sequences. What like, you know? God, it's it's. It popularized it heavily. To put this as the, in the most dramatic way possible, without the Matrix, Zack Snyder wouldn't have happened. Right. And, oof. <laughs> I don't know. Some stuff looks cool in slow motion. I get it. 
Slow motion action scenes look cool as shit. Unless every single action movie is in slow motion. Which happened for a long time. It did. And it's still kind of happening now. That's why a Bad Boys bit. stands out, man. Not as many in that. Bad Boys. <laughs> what does want to do? I don't know why I always talk about Bad Boys, but here we are. I, I, is it a good movie? I like Bad Boys. What about yeah. Bad Boys 2? I also like Bad Boys 2. Are th- so, so Michael Bay has made two good movies in your book. Right. Is there any other movies from Michael Bay that are good? Uh, I forget what it's called, but the uh, the one with the the Rock and the other I forget what it's called. The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't have the Rock in it. It's about it's a Sean Connery one where he kills somebody with a knife. I think. No, I'm talking about like it has the Rock in it, like uh, Dwayne Johnson does what and somebody else in it. I forget what it's called. Mm, I'll have to go look it up later. But, Doom. Uh, no, it's not Doom. Uh, that one's okay. But no, no, Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two are Michael Bay's best okay. movies. I like Transformers One, despite itself. Actually, it's okay. Uh, after that, that franchise is bad. Anyway, The Matrix is a movie about sunglasses. Go ahead, Jusby. Yeah, uh, either <laughs> and also either sunglasses, trench coats, with but sunglasses that hook on your ears. Hell yeah! Or sunglasses dude. that just hold themselves to your face if you're Morpheus. Future sunglasses from the future. Future man. Twenty one ninety nine or something like that. Close so enough. So everybody who lived. A life knows how the Matrix goes. Basically, you but have give you them have a, a give them a quick stupid refresher just in case. You have a uh, you have a, a a cute little baby faced Keanu Reeves whose <laughs> dog hasn't been killed yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks so young because he was fuck, dude. Yeah. He looks like fucking Bill Andor Ted. Which one was he? <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you. Was he Bill S. Preston or Theodore Logan? I forget which one is which. I think he's Ted. He is Ted. Okay, good. I figured it out. So there are times in this movie where he's like slack. He looks like a slack jawed idiot, and he looks just like he's in a Bill and Ted movie, and it's hilarious. Oh, it's so to me. funny. It's because he's he's young still. Keanu you know? is not a bad actor. He had he got that reputation. Uh, I think because of the Matrix sequels and and other movies around the same time, but. I you know he has he's had a career resurgence he's had the John Wick movies I I think he's fine He's an action man He doesn't have to be anything else He's fine He's been great in like a, And a, a I good think chunk of in this movie he portrays a 1999 white everyman pretty well uh, you don't need him to be anything more than he is in this movie. He's, you know, weirded out by this weird situation he finds himself in. And wouldn't you be? I right. think it makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense, too. Also, I just wanted to point out that uh, Keanu Reeves is fucking great in Speed. <laughs> what about Speed 2? Is he in Speed 2? No. Oh, who's in Speed 2, then? He's credited. Keanu Reeves is credited for Toy Story 4. What's he doing in Toy Story 4? Oh, fuck. I don't know. I'm excited, though. He's going to be the villain. I'm, I'm okay with that. He's going to be like a John Wick action figure. See, what what else has this man been in? Uh, Obviously John Wick. Constantine. He didn't do too bad of a job in Constantine. He I haven't okay. seen Constantine. I just... Uh, John Constantine is one of my favorite comic book characters, so I, uh, I don't know if I want to see that movie and have a, a bad taste in my mouth about the character. I'm not sure. Not he's, sure how he portrays it. He's in something's gotta give. 
One, something's got to give. Two, something's got to give. Three, something's got to give. Yeah, he's in, he's in a, f- a few things. He's in a lot of things, actually. But yeah. anyway. He was in that movie about the girls that want to have sex with them, and then instead they uh, they have sex with them, and then they just torture him over it. I don't know. That movie. Yeah. Knock Knock. Is yeah, it Knock it. Knock? Yeah, it's called Knock Knock. What a, what a dumb concept for a movie. Oh, my God. Stupid. But, yeah. no, he he. I think he does as well as he could in this movie. I, I think mean, the acting is really good in this movie. They sell it really well. They do, because this movie's script is 90% exposition. So you need someone that can deliver that exposition well. And they have Lawrence Fishburne. Which is a great person at delivering exposition. It helps it tremendously. <laughs> uh, it gives it that sense of mystery and mysteriousness that just helps sell it completely. I dig him in this movie. He's one of my favorite parts of it. Oh, yeah. Always. Morpheus is awesome. Yeah. Even in the sequels, I like him. When he becomes a little more vulnerable and a little less weird. What is uh, Trinity's name? Carrie Ann Moss. Yes. She was also really good. She is good. Has she kind of disappeared from movies. I don't know what's going on with her. I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, well. And then uh, Hugo Weaving as the Smith. Man. Legendary performance. Man, Hugo Weaving. Oh, my God. What a legendary. Like He's yeah. my favorite actor that overacts in oh every God. movie he's in. It's perfect for this Besides movie. maybe Nicolas Cage and maybe Willem Dafoe at times. Because there's not a damn movie where he doesn't fucking overact. <laughs> I know he's playing a robot. Basically, so he like over pronounces, over enunciates every single word that he says, but it's just fantastic. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, a lot of like I said, a lot of uh, what this movie is is just them selling this like completely wild concept. You know, it's it's kind of impressive that they do right, and it it, it pays off really well. It it gets sold. Yeah. Like, this movie captivated everybody. The concept of this movie is great. It's one of the best sci-fi concepts in a movie ever. It's a little dated. It's 20 years old, and the internet doesn't work through phones. (laughs) (laughs) But... And Hacker Man isn't so... uh... Hacker Man isn't a trope anymore. Well, it is, but to make fun of the old one. Uh, The old 90s trope. Because, yeah, of course Keanu Reeves is a hacker man. Of course, you literally have to hack into the Matrix to get into it. Like, and of course all this it's shit. a hacker man fell asleep on his desk with some Panasonic headphones and listened to maybe like a Lannis Moore set or something. <laughs> I forget what he was listening to. He listens to Robert Zombert when he goes to the club earlier in the movie. I mean, he movie. didn't put it on. No, it was just at the club. Uh, and then the end of the movie is, uh. Come on! <laughs> Rage Against the Machine. Oh. Uh, but yeah. shit's, shit's fine. I love Rage. You know how it goes. Keanu Reeves, man, without his dog being killed yet, is Hacker Man. Mm-hmm. And then... Neo weird the One. Yeah, hey. weird shit starts happening. Uh-huh. And then good old Morphe Morph goes ahead and texts <laughs> him on his, on his CompuServe PC and goes, Hey! There's some men in black at your workplace, lad. 
And he's like, fuck, they're going to kill you, maybe. Jump out the window. And he's like, no. And then he's like, by the way, I get arrested by men in black. Fuck. My favorite thing about this is this is all communicated through a Nokia cell phone he received in a FedEx package. Oh, my God. They get their product placement out of the way quick. Because after that, there's not really any. <laughs> yeah. They get that shit out of the way real quick. It's not that blatant. I think no. it's fine. Actually, no, it, it seems pretty natural. It seems actually. about right for the time. Right. <laughs> they made it look as natural as possible. It wouldn't be FedEx now, probably. Yeah. It'd be Amazon. Well, it'd be coming delivered through USPS. I get uh, I get Amazon package packages through UPS a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they're just a carrier. They don't they don't actually deliver uh, yeah, the shit. That's true, but you know. They're boxes is what I'm thinking of, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's a similar thing. But anyway, and and then Morphe Morph's like, climb on this scaffolding. And then Keanu is like, nah. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm arrested. Yeah. And, and then the old. Smiths are like, hey. And he like, fuck you. And they're like, you can't talk now. And he like, and then they put, I used to think, then right. they put a big old virus sperm hold in on, his hold belly on. button. Back this up a sec. I want to talk about this entire talk scene. About. Okay. Yeah, this because scene is wild. <laughs> when I was a kid, all right, I watched this movie when I was like seven years old. Okay, that's a little young. It probably freaked you the fuck out. The the, the, the scene with the bug freaked me the fuck out. It freaks me out now. I don't want right. things in my belly. That should terrify me. But right before it, the scene that the, in the interrogation room where he tells him he's gonna give him the finger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was the dopest fucking thing in the world when I was seven. <laughs> it's so edgy. I know. He just got arrested by, like, for for all intents and purposes, for what he knows at this time, the FBI. You know what I mean? Right. Might as well flip him off, I guess. What the fuck? <laughs> this isn't going to result in any trouble for He's you. He's probably like, I'm fucked no matter what. Fuck it. I'm going to flip him off. I guess that's true. But how will you make a phone call if you can't speak? <laughs> oh god it's so good it's such a fucking like there's lots of scenes in this movie that are kind of like horror-esque yeah and sci-fi kind of coalesces does. with that and so does you know this movie has multiple genres going on i guess it's action above all else but it, it fits the definition of a sci-fi movie because it is also about yes. the science sure <laughs> the science of I mean, dial-up internet. Doesn't matter if it's world. fake science or not. Yeah, no, I know that's not how science fiction works, so it's fine. Um, it, yeah, that scene freaks me out, and then obviously they they fucking zap it out of them. Uh, also freaked me out when I was a kid. That that is a freaky scene, uh, but I think the freakiest scene in the movie happens a little bit after that when he takes the red pill, and he is born. Yeah. In uh, imagery that, you know basically just screams at you he's being born <laughs> like he's not being born really he's being woken up from stasis right out of the the gooey ky jelly pod that he's in um uh, that must have been expensive to put all that ky jelly in that pod uh, yeah film it man what a disturbing scene it was really neat i loved it really well done yeah, uh, you know, there's stuff that ages poorly in this movie, like obviously the That's... 90s references, but also the CGI Yeah. Um, of the actual robots, like when they're flying in the ship and they get attacked by rogue robots, whatever they're called, sentinels or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they're sentinels. Uh, that shit looks like shit, but it was 1999, so I don't really care. But like, man, 
as soon as we start teaching him kung fu, the movie is amazing. <laughs> it's it's good before that, but then it's amazing because then you realize that the Wachowskis just basically wanted an excuse to have kung fu fight scenes in this movie. Yeah, and God bless them for doing it. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, Keanu. They just wanted up. to show off and make a big old kung fu action scene, and they sure did. And it was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. It, it it plays off really well, and it works in the world. You have, uh... I think it's fine. It's it's really fun the way they present that he can just learn all this shit just by like downloading it in his brain. Super future. Fuck yeah, dude. He even says that I think at some point. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he says fuck yeah. He says hell yeah. He says hell yeah. It's yeah. rated R. He could have said fuck yeah. He Come could've. on, Wachowskis. Fix your movie it's, from well, twenty. Honestly, years Honestly, it's a very loose R. Actually. It's just, it's mainly because of the blood. I think it's R the because election. they murdered a billion cops. Right. I know they're not really cops, but that's the imagery that we have. <laughs> so, like my parents were okay with me watching that movie when I was young, and like for example, they didn't let me play Grand Theft Auto growing up. So like this is the same with mine. Uh, I watched all these movies uh, late middle school to early high school. Pretty sure. This is why I wanted to revisit them, because I don't remember a whole lot about the sequels. Obviously, I remember a lot about this one, because it's it's a legend, and every scene is iconic. Man, then I went I went and saw the sequels in the theaters. Oof. And uh, I was 11 years old when when uh, Reloaded came out. Wow. And then my parents, you, you're allowed to bring whoever you want through the theater as long as it's Hey, I think those like ones that. are PG-13, actually. Are they? I yeah, forget. I'm not remember, certain. But I do remember going into uh, Reloaded, and... Uh, the guy there going, just kind of like giving my parents a weird look as they're bringing their 11-year-old kids into this theater. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, it, it, was, it was a good time. This movie is a great time. The technical, it, like I said, it doesn't age well now, but the technical aspects of what this movie achieved at the time is a big deal. And its influence is a big deal. And it's still felt today. This movie means a lot. Yeah. To just film in general. And for better or for worse, you got to respect the fuck out of that. Like, hard. And it's just still a really fucking good movie that I think holds up. Like, the, the, the only thing that doesn't hold so. up is the CGI. And, like, that's and, only and a maybe just, of like, time. some of the concepts of how the internet works. But the, it's 1999. What do you want? Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot you can do. No, it was rated R. I was mistaken. Okay, I thought it was. But yeah, it's it's a loose one. It's just because of gun violence. And it's like not even real because they're in the Matrix, so fuck it. You know, it's easy to, you know, tell that to a young person. So, uh, I don't know. What else is there to tell about the plot? Everybody knows the plot of this movie. Uh, Keanu learns Kung Fu. He goes to see the Oracle. Uh, which is one of the wonkier things I don't like about the movie, but it's fine, I guess. I, I like I don't it. It was, it was, it was fun. It, it's just, it feels a little too on the nose with the, like, kind of religious metaphor shit that they end up going with a little bit. More so in the sequels. Yeah, I think, I think the first movie is less about, like, religious stuff than it is about, like, just things about prophecy in general. Yes, but, like, I was kind of confused as to why she exists at all. The Oracle. Well, her whole thing, and you kind of learn this later on, and also through side stuff in the Matrix universe. Yeah. Where she's just, like, the only reason she knows a bunch of shit is because she's uh, really smart and she's been around a long time. Okay, that's it? 
That's about it. She's just somebody that's been out of the Matrix for a long yeah. time. And through Helen back. And okay. she's okay. got she had them good good power. Real smart. Alright. Reads people well. Alright. She raises all those all those ridiculously talented children. Psychic powers and shit. There right. is no spoon iconic line. Right. Lots of iconic lines in this that oh, yeah. people just say all the time. Uh, oh, yeah, there is no spoon. Controversially, red pilled is now a term, and it sucks ass. Yeah. Yeah. You can't take my fucking favorite movie away from me, you fucking cuck lords. <laughs> yeah, see, you even called them cuck lords. You can't take that word. Nope. Cuck is a great insult. No, everything's mine. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> you selfish prick. Yeah, you goddamn um, right. The part of the movie I did like is what ends up being our kind of antagonist is a, a person who betrays them. Uh, I kind of forgot about how this went. I like it. I like that it's just a guy who regrets being red-pilled <laughs> and wants to be blue-pilled just so he could have, like, money and titties and steak. And, then, <laughs> and that's the whole thing that ruins so many well-laid plans in this movie. And people's lives. Yeah, uh, basically all the side characters are killed <laughs> because of this. I like, I like how the movie is basically like, all right... We set we set the ground floor of what this movie is. Let's kill all the side guys. That is something that I feel like also impacted the sequels quite a bit. You can't build off any of those characters because they're dead. So now you gotta create new ones to fill in the gaps. And I'm that's the, where those movies kind of drop the ball for sure. I'm in the tank for best operator club still. Tank cool. Better than Link. <laughs> it's his name his name's Link. That's fair. Um, was Link the one that, uh, was looking at porno? Or was no, that, no, no. Uh... Link is the operator in the second and third Matrix films. Right, oh, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Tank is the better operator. Because he was the one in the first movie. Right. Is he absent from two and three? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. What happens to him? Uh, you, you, I think you find out in the movies. Okay. If I remember correctly. Oh, I don't I'm remember. pretty sure he passes away. That's sad. He was the only one that fucking lived. He was badass. He got shot, and then he got I think to... what really happened is they couldn't get the actor back. <laughs> That's bullshit. Why would you not want to be in The Matrix 2? Well, well, in, in, maybe in retrospect you wouldn't want to be, but hey. Well, let me see. I bet there is an actual story behind why he died, but I, as far as I remember, let me let me look it up real quick. You I don't know talking. his name. His name is Tank? His Tank. Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. You, you talk to the kids. Hey, kids. Do you like violence? I do. I watch The Matrix. There's other agents in this movie, which I kind of forgot about, because I thought that Agent Smith was the only one. But I think that's just because they set up, even in this movie, that Agent Smith's goals are not necessarily the machine's goals. Because Agent Smith wants to get out of the Matrix because he hates it. It's just not explained. Oh, okay, fuck it. So, so it's unclear if Tank's death was a result of a severe wound he sustained from the energy bolt in the Matrix 1 or or an unrelated cause. Regardless, he is not in the sequels. They couldn't get the actor. <laughs> I'm saying that's a problem. There was yeah. a couple, you know, they didn't give him a whole lot of shit. The key character development is Neo Trinity Morpheus. I understand right. that. But you could have expanded upon these characters. They were likable. You could have brought him into the sequels and it would have been fine. Tank is hella likable. Yeah. He's a good dude. He's just he's just your all-around good dude there for you. Yeah. He's the guy. And he's I gone. I think that's a problem with those sequels as well. 
No, I think Link is a more complex character in the sequels, and we'll get to this later because they actually flesh him out more. But he's not as fun as Tank is. So right. I don't care. Sure. I got you. Um. Yeah, but what I was saying about Agent Smith is, is he kind of has this weird goal that's not necessarily the machine's goal, where he hates the Matrix. And he wants to get out of it. And he feels like the best way to do that would be to show the machines where the last human city is so they can go fucking kill it. And then they don't have to worry about and it. And then they anymore. don't have to worry about the Matrix anymore, I guess. They don't have to, like, stop people from hacking into it and shit like that. Because I assume that's what the agents role. That's exactly is. what they're for, yeah. Now, I know he becomes kind of an antagonist later on, but I don't really remember all the details. He becomes an antagonist separate from the machines. As an antagonist. Right, with his own goals. As he was in the first one. Yeah, well, that's cool. They just expand Uh, that heavily. Agent Smith should... I just don't remember how it it irons out. You'll you'll figure it out, and you'll either like it or hate it. I know it results in a uh, really cool fight scene. It's a little bit of both, I think, but... Okay. At least we get more Hugo Weaving overacting. Oh, dude, it's great. It's the best best part about the Matrix sequels. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Anderson! Just him continuously overacting. And then you get to see a bunch of him on the screen, which is also great. Like, like literally a bunch of him, like multiple in, in hymns. What, what is age now like a, like, like a fine dead person <laughs> CGI in The Matrix Reloaded? Oh, I can't wait to see that scene. That scene is fucking stupid. Oh, it's so over the top. I used to think that was so dope. Yeah, sure. In 2003? Three. It's that era. It's that era of throwing a bunch of shit at the screen and seeing what happens in an action scene. Yeah, it's 2003, because Reloaded was four years Uh, later. You know, you got got that movie. You got Attack of the Clones with the big ass, just like, there's just, how many Jedi are in this action scene, George? All the Jedi. Okay, George, are you sure? That's a lot of fucking stuff going on on the screen at once. Every Jedi and two armies. Okay, George. Oh, God. (laughs) This is going to look like shit, George. Yeah, it's a similar vibe. I think that was maybe inspired by Lord of the Rings a little bit. Probably. Those kind of action scenes where there's just like, you know, large scale battles, even though what you're making doesn't necessarily lend itself to it. Star Wars could, but maybe not the Matrix. But if you want to have a ridiculous action scene, you might as well, because the Matrix can provide it for you. You can whatever it wants. Uh, it's kind of the idea. You can do whatever you want with this concept, you know. I know it gets into some weird shit later on. Oh, yeah. I forget how they involve the creator of the Matrix. Oh, and the that's actually a cool little section. It, it's not, yeah. like, ridiculous, like, it, ridiculously important, but, like, yeah. it's cool. I, all I remember about that is there was uh, a parody of this scene. Multiple parodies of this scene. But, like, the one that sticks out to me is, I think, unfortunately, in Scary Movie 3... And it sticks out to me because it was, I think, George Carlin Oh, was the creator of The Matrix. Or he was like an alien in that movie because it was parodying uh, signs as well as multiple other things at the same time. Uh, I think that's how that goes. I, I don't know. There's also like an MTV Movie Awards sketch. with It's somebody and I forget who. Yeah, that, that, that shit, that was probably the most one of the most iconic things to come out of Reloaded was that whole thing. With the, like, million TV screens, which is kind of alluded to in this movie. Yeah. When it pulls back from, like, the gazillion monitors. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck's that? It's actually referencing that. Because the Wachowskis knew they were going to make three movies all along. Did they? Yep, that's that apparently. I doubt it. You know. 
this, this movie ends cohesively. I mean, that's always your best plan when you're making a first of a movie. Make sure it ends cohesively. Yeah, because, it, uh, it, not guaranteed a sequel in film. It feels like it can't be topped. Oh, I'm not trying to play this right now. No, it can't be topped. This is in Scary Movie 3. George Carlin playing the Matrix architect. Okay, I was right. I think that's just a funny visual to me that it's George Carlin, but hey. Uh, Whatever. Scary Movie 3 is... Uh, Horseshit. Not good. I don't even know if two and one are good. No. Or that, four. And five is the worst. We had a really bad streak of comedy movies because of that fucking film. The parody film is something that needed to die or change. And it did neither. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because like, when it comes from shit like Mel Brooks, who doesn't parody a specific movie really really just parodies an entire concept yeah i mean there's things in young frankenstein that like if you watch son of frankenstein which we did it's parodying directly but it's not so obvious about it where it's just like here's nacho libre and he goes nacho and that's the joke is just like remember what this is that shit's fucking terrible that's the worst fucking comedy that exists and The Matrix is part of a lot of those, because The Matrix got parodied to death. After this movie, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time, Conker's Bad Fur Day, has a final level, which is just the fucking scene from The Matrix where they shoot a bunch of cops. Yeah. It's fun. It's that fun. That scene's great, by the way. That um, scene is fucking incredible. Love that scene. That's fucking some of the best action ever filmed with a camera is in this movie. Yeah. The Wachowskis know what the fuck they're doing when it comes to that. I don't know if they know what they're doing when it comes to writing scripts. No. I don't know if they know what they're doing when it comes to choosing projects to make. No. I don't know. Because after this, what do they make of note? Speed Racer. Yeah, that's not that great that of something awesome. of note. Uh, that movie's I, awesome. Shut the fuck up. I need to see it. You haven't even seen it. Why are you talking shit? I ain't trying to talk shit. That movie's shit. a fucking cult classic. Let me explain. Is it a noteworthy classic that yes. is I as as like iconic as the Matrix? No, no. They, but once should you make they have a, maybe chose to do something else? Possibly. Once you make a movie like that, you don't make another movie like that. That's true. Nobody does. Nobody does that. Nobody like that. Mm. No. They did that. Uh, that one weird movie with those space something or other, right? I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> that, that is the most generic thing you've ever said to me in your I entire know, life <laughs> i know but that's that's literally all my brain would allow me to think about that movie <laughs> i think it has channing tatum in it i still have uh, and that doesn't great. help either no uh let me click on the wachowskis that's lawrence fishburne but... oh lawrence fishburne but anyway yeah so morpheus gets captured by agent man and they're like fuck and they almost kill him. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it back to the And then plot. Neo's like, no. We're going to go get him. And they go get him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it results in some of the best action in modern cinema. Yeah. And goddamn is that, scene, that, that opening scene where they walk in through the fucking metal detector. <laughs> and, and then get Keanu Reeves just opens his fucking jacket and it's guns. <laughs> and the dude's like, oh, shit! <laughs> It's it's ridiculous. I love it. It's so good. I don't know. I think the final fight scene is the best action in the movie, though, between him and Agent Smith. Oh, yeah, in the subway? That shit's so good. 
That shit's so well choreographed and fun to look at. And it's Hugo Weaving and Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, like, what? Yeah, the Wachowskis could take a lifeless corpse and make good action out of it, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, what a classic. It's it's legendary. This movie is legendary. It's, like I said, it's one of my personal favorites of all time. Might be my favorite movie of all time. And like, of like all? Said, yeah. Just, it's just not because... like Godfather or something? No. Wow, all right. But also because I'm also really into technical aspects of film. And uh, this movie achieves that at the time in every level. That's fair. Also, I'm, uh, I mean, Godfather is, I mean, is he, this and Godfather are probably like number one, number two. No matter which way you spin it. Okay. But, uh, okay. I think this is at least up there for movies that have the best action Yeah. in movie history. Oh, 100%. This is up there? I think this is probably the best action movie ever. The Raid is up there? Yeah. Uh, I would float John Wick, actually. Um, okay, yeah. It's a modern one. It might need a little more time to stew as being a classic, but it's up there. Uh, I hear great things about the Mission Impossible movies as far as that goes. Uh, one that I'd like to put out there is Kill Bill Volume 1. Yeah, for has sure. has one of the best single action scenes in movie history. It's stupid and over the top, and it's fucking incredible. Kill Bill Volume 2 isn't really that. No. But it's more Tarantino-like, actually. I might like two more than one. They're both kind of one movie is the thing that's weird with those. Yeah, The Matrix is fucking incredible. I uh, even got that, that overdramatic Rage Against the Machine ending. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> which was the most hype shit in the fucking world back in 1999. Uh, it's impossible not to, like, have a stupid grin on your face when you're watching this the end of that movie it's cool because like the whole movie is like hey are you the one and he's like whoa i don't know and then like you don't know either until the end of the movie when he's like literally superman flying that's the clear implication and that leads to uh sequels that don't know how to create tension after you've basically created superman you know yeah it's hard to go from there and make sequels we'll see how they aged i don't know because i don't remember the plot i don't really remember much besides there's a big car chase with trucks and the big lots of agent smiths and then i don't remember anything about three except for the last fight there is the one all you need to know about the matrix as a whole mm-hmm. is that even in the sequels it's still some of the best action ever made yeah outside of that holy fuck does it diminish in quality so it goes from like a 10 out of 10 to to what do you think oh, probably like i don't know like a six that's sad seven i don't know about a seven we'll Maybe see it's probably a six cap <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, oh man! You imagine like little, little seven-year-old Jubby after seeing The Matrix, right? And I'm like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah, your brain don't work no it's more. It's the peak of cinema. <laughs> 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 we ain't doing nothing better than this, boys. Pack it up. Stop making films. And then my older brother comes to me and says, "Hey, there's a second one coming out." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. 
it didn't really have that effect on me the first time I saw it. It was only like much later in life because I saw it early middle school, but it wasn't until like high school that I was able to watch all of them. And I was like, yeah, but then I quickly realized that like all the memorable shit is in one. Yeah. And now there's memorable shit in the other two. Yeah, but not for necessarily the best reasons. Eh. One, everything works. Oh, yeah, for sure. Two, the action works. Three, probably the action works. Well, yeah, that's, that's and about that's it. it. So, like, you know, I cared about our trinity of characters. One of them's called Trinity, but hey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, and I, if that doesn't carry on in the sequels, then that's your main problem there. Yep. That's your main problem. And that's what we're going to see. But before that, I week. think we're watching the Animatrix, which I yeah. know nothing about at all. Yeah, the Animatrix is the animated Matrix movie. Wow, what? What? Is it a series of vignettes? Yes. It is cool. a series of small vignettes doing, like, side stories in the same universe. Okay. Um, It is interesting looking it is creepy like really creepy at times all right and uh it's cool it's does it have to deal with our main characters at all no just not at all no so it's just complete side shit it's side just lore building basically yes. world building yeah yeah basically that's what it is i'm kind of hyped for that honestly because if you get away from neo more stories about that world might be really interesting that's what you actually. think actually <laughs> well at least for that specific yeah thing. no it, it's a really neat little thing and uh I, I liked it a lot when i first saw it and i haven't i have not seen it since the first time i saw it i've only seen it once and that was it i've been in the mood for uh some high class cartoon cinema since watching spider verse which uh hey i'll, I'll float this on you spider verse is an excellent 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 movie and it might be better than The Matrix in my book. Okay. Get fucked. Whatever. <laughs> That's my opinion. I don't care. Yeah, I know. I'm just... I'm trying to emphasize how you need to go see that movie is all I'm saying. I know. But I, I want to go see it with my for father. For someone that has a boner for comic book things, that spoke to me more than this movie. I do love sci-fi and I do love this movie and I would be tempted when rating it on letterbox or in general to give it the maximum score because there's not really anything that it does bad no but man spider verse is good i feel like not enough can good things can be said be said about that movie well fine i want to see it um i don't know it's, whenever there's I a do, new we'll bar set if this new live action spider-man movie sucks ass it's gonna hurt even more because now that it's been shown that, like, hey, you can make, like, the best one ever without even fucking trying. <laughs> well, they tried really hard. They, you know. But I just, like, I don't know. I think, like, in terms of the look of that movie and the acting and the basic but very, very easy to love story. It's it's just probably like movie of the year 2018, maybe movie of the the decade in general for me. Holy! Shit. I don't know. It, it's close to that because like I don't know what the fuck else came out in this 10 year span. 
but we're about nearing the end of it. So, one more year. Yeah, I need to see it again. I, I think Escape Room might uh, take it. Ooh, Escape Room. Escape the room. Will they escape? Will they get out? Well, Scorpion King 5 I haven't seen yet, Jusby, so. Escape the room. Escape the king. 